I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. This week, I have my brother back on as we talk week three of the NFL season. We also preview the week four games as well. We touch upon everything from Daniel Jones's emergence as the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. We also talk about some of the questionable coaching decisions, John Harbaugh kicking field goals or two-point conversions um and freddie kitchens maybe uh kind of going crazy running the ball on a draw play on fourth and nine so we talk about that we also talk about our fantasy teams as well so guys listen in on this podcast uh let's give my brother a call Hello. Hey, Mike. Thanks for coming back on to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan uh, this week, week three of the NFL season. I feel like the NFL season is just flying by already, which is cr- I can't believe it's already three weeks into the year. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's just going by so quickly. I mean, even with all the uh, time that's passed, um, yeah, honestly, like, I'm not sure that we have a good read on some of these teams, but, um, you know, if I look at it, we'll we'll get into it. But, you know, we have the Patriots with the Chiefs, but a lot of things are very wide open here still. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, The one good thing that I think uh, going into week four is we won't have to worry and watch our Jets uh, play this week as they're on a bye. So there's some relief there per, for us personally, as we don't have to uh, watch the car wreck that's uh, going on with the Jets this yeah. uh, this season. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that. You know, top five draft pick in 2020. Uh, at this point, at the rate it's going right now, it's looking like the top pick for sure. Us and the Dolphins. So. Um, there are reports that out that uh, Sam Darnold's going to be looking to come back uh, after the bye week in week five. So I wonder if Sam Darnold turns around the Jets' fortunes. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be too optimistic on that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm right now looking at some 2020 draft picks. Um, you know, Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle. Um, you know, Chase Young. What? Well, well, you know, we'll we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, we have plenty of time to to project and talk about uh, twenty twenty draft picks. Uh, but let's talk about week three and some of the storylines coming out of week three. I think I, actually the first thing that I did want to kind of touch upon before we get on and talk about some of the on field uh, type of uh, performances that went on this week was something that started off-field. And I guess this is their uh, last update on Antonio Brown for uh, the unforeseen future because he's become a student just like me at Central Michigan re-enrolling in college after he was cut uh, by the Patriots after all the allegations, second accuser ending uh, ended up coming out, also him threatening uh, the new accuser that come that came out in in new text messages 
and it seemed like the Patriots had enough, and they ended up cutting him. Uh, any thoughts on Antonio Brown and his one-week uh, employment with the New England Patriots? Yeah, I mean, when the second when when the additional allegation started happening, like you knew something had to happen, and uh, I mean, we are the Patriots tend to be a no kind of nonsense type of organization. So this is kind of expected, makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, you know, it it just makes a lot of sense. Like it, something had to be done at this point. Well, I was hoping that the Patriots Patriots would keep him and their just team can, chemistry. Just Super Bowl run. Right. And the the chemistry would just implode. But, of course, the Patriots are too smart to kind of uh, keep him on for a prolonged period of time, and they it, it seemed like they're smart to cut him after just one game. Um, so, and that's what great organizations do. They understand, like, okay, this is a this is a loss, and we're gonna just cut him right now instead mm-hmm. of hoping that the situation turns around. And now, like, if you think about it, the Patriots won't have to won't have to deal with the the problems and the questions during press conferences surrounding Antonio Brown, really. Yeah. I think it was smart for the Patriots to move quickly from that. Um, It's not like they, it does lower the ceiling a little bit of the team, but it's, you know, with how the bills, sorry, not the bills, but the jets have played, how the dolphins have played. And honestly, like, you know, how the AFC has played out. I, I don't really see that much competition from them except for this Chiefs team. Right. So let's get back. Let's get on to the on, on field performances in week three. Mike, why don't you give me one game uh, that really caught your eye? And I think both of us, I, I'm looking at the Chiefs Ravens game this past weekend. The Chiefs coming up on top, 33-28, to 28, and what an exciting game that was. What were your general thoughts on the matchup between maybe potentially the next great quarterback rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the game for me um, that I watched. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, 27 for 37, three, almost 400 yards at 375, um, three touchdowns. Like, he... He is the best quarterback in the league, kind of by far, right? Um, he he just has, like, that total big play ability, like, at any time. And, I mean, it. I'm surprised the Chiefs didn't win by bigger, to be honest. Like, I'm not completely sold on this Ravens team, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes just, like, absolutely unbelievable. Like, at any time, like, third and – it could be third and 20 and, you know, Mahomes could go for like a 70 yard touchdown. Right. And he just makes throws that no other quarterback in the league can make. Like he combines the best of like, I think that Aaron Rodgers might be a little bit more precise in his throws, but Mahomes just like the way he could just air it out. It's, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, I was also impressed with Lamar's um, athletic ability and his ability to escape the pocket and Mm. really run around. He ended up having a couple highlight reel runs, that touchdown run that he ended up having where he ended up juking a couple guys and then having a spin move and then entering into the end zone. It was just – it felt Mm. like he was being controlled by 
uh, a video game player and he was the he was a player on Madden that was being controlled just the way he was reacting uh to all the moves that he ended up pulling off um mm-hmm. but I was I'm definitely constantly impressed with how Patrick Mahomes has played um over the past 2 years and or so and he's had I believe it's 10 touchdowns through 3 games um without an interception now and he there was that stat where he joined himself and Peyton Manning as the only other two players to do that, uh, to start a year with 10 touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah. I mean, he's going for all the record books, like Patrick Mahomes. He, I don't think I've ever seen a, like, I, I truly haven't seen like a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Like, I think Peyton Manning that one year with the Broncos and, you know, like Aaron Rodgers at his peak. But this is he, – he's just, like, on another level. He might be – it's absolutely incredible how impressive uh, Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I just thought it was really interesting um, to kind of see him play in this situation. Now, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you about this game was – some of the curious play call, not not even play calling, but maybe decision making um, by uh, by uh, John Harbaugh, um, and uh, there was a lot of comparisons between him and uh, his brother Jim Harbaugh, and some of the coaching mistakes that Jim Harbaugh made during the Michigan game, and how Har- John Harbaugh was kind of maybe following in his footsteps, going for two um, at really ran seemingly random times and um just like not going for for two at certain times like towards the end of the game um they they were just like some really like curious like reasons as to why he ended up going for things that he did i don't know i i don't know if that ha- that kind of entered into your picture of like why he went for two after the first um, mm. after the first touchdown he scored in the first half? Maybe it's maybe his thought was because the Chiefs were going to score a ton of points during the game. But I'm not exactly sure I agree with some of the decision making he had. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some kind of questionable. Like after the first touchdown, they decided to do a run play with uh, Lamar Jackson, and uh, it just wasn't. It just didn't seem like the smartest play. Like even for a two point, like I mean, run it, like throw it with Lamar Jackson, like RPO, and and like it just didn't make much sense uh, when I saw it, and it didn't work, right? Um, but I mean, you know, we talked about the two of the most electric quarterbacks, Mahomes, no doubt for me. Um, Lamar, like he he looks good at times. He did have some of those highlight reel runs, but I mean his completion percentage against a pretty poor Chiefs team. Um, it, it, it it just seemed like he held on to the ball quite a bit, like didn't know if he should pass it, like run with it. Like for me, some of the hesitancy um, during the game was kind of an interesting to watch. I'm not sure if you had similar reactions though. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I just thought like this is, these two teams are definitely the top two out of the top three teams in the AFC along with the Patriots. And 
Um, I'm curious to see who the other three teams are. Um, there's a lot of talk that there's only three other teams in the AFC that are over 500. It's currently the Patriots, the Bills, the Chiefs, Ravens, Texans, and the Colts. So it's pretty interesting that as of the way it sits now, those six teams, if like the season ended, like they would be in the playoffs. I, I guess like kind of looking at the landscape of maybe the NFL in general and who's like three and zero and who's zero and three or one and two, like out of all the undefeated teams, who do you think is kind of like the pretenders that out of those three and O teams? Cause it seems like the bills really hadn't played anyone that, that tough. Um, so I'll, I'll read out the three and O teams to you, the Patriots, the bills, the chiefs, the Cowboys, the Rams, the 49ers, the Packers, and surprise, surprise, the Lions at 2-0-1. So out of those teams, it seems like the Lions, 49ers, and Bills are kind of those teams that, although they've had a really good start to the year so far going undefeated, they, like, I'm not believers in them quite yet at all. Yeah, no, I mean, those, those sound just about right. I mean, if we look at who the Bills have played, Jets, Giants, and Bengals combined one and eight. That's it's not anything to be impressed with. I think that there are like five other teams that could have gone to three and like you know five other you know non three and teams that could have gone three and if they had that kind of um, easy easy schedule, right? And you know if I look at who the Forty ers played, also similarly unimpressive. I mean, the Bucks first year, um, you know, first week trying to figure out things. Bengals they crushed. Steelers, you know, very depleted with a lot of injuries to, um, you know, Big Ben. Um, you know, James Conner had some injuries he was playing with, so not quite buying into the 49ers yet. Um, and, and the Lions, I mean, they're not really a true three, no, right? Yeah, they ended up tying against um, the Arizona Cardinals, but I thought I think going into the year, like. The I had the Eagles winning the NFC East, and this past weekend they ended up uh, pulling out a win, an away win at Philly, um, 27-24, and they were up by 10 points for most of the game. And it wasn't – not that it wasn't close. It, it ended up getting tight towards the end, and Philly had a chance to tie it slash win it um, in the final drive. But I was fairly impressed by the way Detroit played – especially with some of the uh, ways that they did it in terms of um, having defensively having forcing turnovers at um, really key periods and having special teams play um, contribute to them having that kick return for a touchdown. Um, and I thought that was really impressive by them. And there's a lot of talk, especially from Philly fans, um, in terms of whether or not Carson Wentz is the guy, even though, you know, they had that law, that tough loss against Atlanta last week. Um, and then the tough loss again against Detroit where they're sitting at one and two now. And with Dallas sitting at three and zero, and then the Eagles playing the Packers this coming week on Thursday night, it seems like if they're one and three and Dallas is four and zero. Going into their week five matchup, 
or I, I believe they'll be playing in week um, six, um, I believe. Um, or the Eagle, Eagles are going to play Dallas in week seven. So, like, it, there's a lot that can be different during that matchup. And there there could be, like, a huge gap between those two teams already. Yeah, and I think we're both quite high on the Eagles. And, honestly, they have been a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, a lot of close games, 32-27, 20, 24-20, 27-24. So they, you know, they've won, they've lost by, you know, at most five points. Um, but, you know, they, they lost the Falcons team, which – I, I, I'm not impressed with the Falcons. I thought they should have been. In the Lions team, maybe they are a little bit better than we thought. I mean, they the Lions, you know, tied a Cardinals team, which you know, that's not impressive. But they did beat a solid Chargers team in their Eagles and the Eagles as well, uh, who we think are both very good potential playoff teams. Um, the defense played well. Um, you know, Matt, Matt Stafford, he's, he looks all right. Um, I, you know, it's kind of surprising the way they're winning these games, but it is a lot of credit to their defense. Like, they haven't been able to get much with the run game. Um, the passing game, you know, Stafford has weapons, but the, the Lions, yeah, they they are a, you know, pleasant surprise, and, you know, maybe maybe they're pretty good, to be honest, right? And, um, you know, they've always had talent. We've always talked about their talent um, on both sides of the the game, um, you know, they're playing the Chiefs. I, I think they get killed, to be honest. But, you know, this this is a potential playoff wildcard team. And they're always at like 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, and we always say that. But maybe this is the year they go 9-7, 10-6 maybe. And uh, another game swings their way, and, you know, they get the wild card finally. Yeah, and I think – I think the tough thing for the Lions is looking at the NFC. There's just so many good teams, and it, the, mm. the I would say the NFC is so deep. Um, just looking at the standings um, in the NFC, like the Cowboys are three and zero, the Rams are three and zero, Forty Niners are three and zero, Seahawks are two and one, Packers three and zero, Lions two zero and one, Vikings Bears both two and one, Saints are two and one. So that's mm. five, six, seven, eight, nine teams that are over 500 right now in the NFC. So you just see the depth that that they have going on in the NFC. And I didn't even include the Panthers and Falcons that are one and two, and then also the Eagles that are one and two. So that's about 12 teams that are competing for six spots. So it's I mean, it's entirely possible that the Lions are just kind of like have gotten not that they've gotten lucky, but that they've um they are going to run into some problems later on in the season just because of the quality and the depth of the NFC. Um mm. but it's yeah. it's pretty crazy that I would say there's like a legitimate twelve teams that are in, in the race yeah. in the NFC and, or playoff spot. Yeah, and, and when I look at the undefeated teams, like, you know, you, you mentioned the Bills. I don't know how high you are on, but, like, they they didn't play any real competition. But the Cowboys as well. Yeah, right? haven't like, played anyone. Yeah, they played the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. And, you know, that that's also combined, I believe, like, one and eight. 
um, of opponents. That those are not good teams by any means. Um, I bet you there are, you know, three or four other NFC teams that could have gone three and zero with that kind of schedule. So I just want to ask: Are you buying the Cowboys? Uh, they're like a wait and see for me. I I think I'm I'll be looking towards their Week Five game against the Packers um, as a litmus test for them to see whether or not, or I guess to kind of measure up and see how good they are actually because they are kind of playing this cupcake schedule and they did not look good against the Redskins in the first half of that game where they were down fairly big early on it before they were able to come back. So I, I'm, it's more of like a wait and see approach for me, but you know, they've, and, and even against the Dolphins in that first half, they were struggling uh, only beating 10 to six, um, I think late in that second half. So it's not like they were looking particularly great against probably the worst team in the league, but I would, I mean, they're still beating these teams. They cover, they made that huge cover of over 20 points um, against the Dolphins. So they've, st- they still did their job and they kind of lucked out, especially like going away against the saints uh, for week four. A lot of people would, you know, would have expected Drew Brees to play in that game. And now they've kind of lucked out because they're playing Teddy Bridgewater. So um, I I would still wait until week five to see how good of a team they actually are. So, Mike, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, I have two awards to give, kind of two fun awards to give. So, like, I think, like, I don't know about you, but it seems like every week there's, like, a key uh, bad kicker moment of the week. And... Um, that was kind of evidenced by, uh, I believe, Matt Gay during the mm-hmm. Bucks Giants game, which was the I would say one of the weirdest end of game sequences in a while, just because of the way um, the way the Giants ended up playing that in terms of playing Mike Evans, who had torched them all day, one on one against on the outside with Janoris Jenkins gets burned, uh, but for like a 40 yard pass. Um, and it looks like the Tampa Bay Bucks Buccaneers are setting up for the winning field goal. Um, they take a delay of a ge- delay of game flag. So that pushes them five yards back. And then they end up kind of just, you know, I, I think they correctly kneel the, kneel the ball or, you know, Jameis, positions the ball into the center of the field so that gay has the best chance of what he wants. And then he misses uh, that field goal after missing two extra points earlier on in the game that if he had made those, uh, it would have been fine and they would have won. So that's my bad kicker of the week. And then, you know, on the flip side of things, talking about backup quarterbacks, Kyle Allen and um, Daniel Jones for the Giants. Like, they both looked good for their respective teams. Kyle Allen replacing Cam Newton. Uh, Cam's kind of dealing with a broke, or like a, not a broken foot, but like a sore foot. And he comes in and looks great against the Cardinals. And I guess they are the Cardinals, but for a backup to not turn the ball over, have four touchdowns, he looked 
really impressive, really comfortable within the pocket. And, you know, being up, being here on the East Coast in New York, all I'm hearing is Daniel Jones, how he's, he's the next thing, uh, next best thing. Um, and how every, you know, all those reactions uh, during the NFL draft, he's, for, he's forgiven all of those things because of how he played yesterday, um, especially leading them back from uh, that huge deficit. So what were your thoughts on, on Daniel Jones and has he kind of silenced the, the critics? I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he looked good in preseason. Um, but it's preseason. Uh, in the game, he looked – I mean, it, I didn't get to watch the whole game. I, I don't tend to watch Giants versus Buccaneers games, especially when Saquon's out. Um, but which is he, bad, yep. Yeah, which is definitely sad. So hopefully he gets better soon. Um, but I am playing him in, against in fantasy, so, uh, you know, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, he – he looked impressive. I got to see some of the highlights. Um, you know, he he did look a lot more comfortable in the pocket and was able to, like, run around, like, and be decisive. Um, you know, we talked about Lamar Jackson. Kind of, he, you know, Lamar Jackson would, like, look up, run, look up, run, look up, run. But Daniel Jacobs kind of had some poise in the pocket, uh, which I, I kind of found impressive. So I'll need to watch a little bit more, but obviously a huge – win for the Giants. Um, I'm glad I'm not in New York to hear hear some of the Daniel and Jacobs hype. Um, especially Daniel Jones. Jesse. Daniel Jones. Yeah, oh, sorry, Daniel Jones. Um, with all the, you know, hype he's getting, especially with uh, how our Jets are, are doing right now. Exactly. Now, and it's kind of crazy how, like, the whole tide is switched and, like, with Darnold getting mono and Daniel Jones having a really, really great uh, first uh, game debut uh, how the tide has turned in terms of, man, people, the Giants fans are extremely happy. They have Daniel Jones and um, Jets fans are super indifferent about Sam Darnold now. So it's kind of funny uh, just to see the change in perception in the span of about three weeks um, into the NFL season. So like the one last thing that I wanted to give uh, another award, and maybe we could kind of have these awards daily. Bad kicker, bad kicker of the week, um, backup quarterback that that does his job, and then uh, questionable coaching tactic mm. move. Um, and I don't know, this has kind of been like in the headlines all day today. But Freddie Kitchens like had some oh my really God. really curious um, and questionable. Um, play calls um, down the stretch of that Browns Rams game um, oh Sunday night, and I couldn't believe some of the play calls. Um, I mean, the fourth and nine draw play was horrendous to say the least. I mean, I don't really know like what he's doing there um, to to kind of necessitate that draw, um, and then as they're driving to to look to tie the game. They get inside the, I believe it's like the five yard line, five or six uh, yard line um, of the Rams looking to score to tie the game or win the game outright. Um, And they end up being first and goal on the five and they run four pass plays in a row. Um, 
and you have a guy like Nick Chubb, who's a really six foot two twenty type of running back, and you're not going to give him the ball once with three timeouts left. It, it was just like a really curious move to me to not run the ball at least once. Um, and it, it seemed like, and it was really uh, confusing to me because it just seemed like Baker was in shotgun the whole time. And mm. don't you don't want to put Baker under center and maybe give Nick Chubb the ball once in the five-yard line during in the red zone? I, I don't know. I just thought it was a really, really curious um, type of play call. And if you kind of look at, I would say I, I believe it was the third down, third and goal play um, when I believe uh, Baker Mayfield ended up uh, throwing the ball to the back of the end zone to Demetrius Harris, um, which was knocked down um, by the Rams. You had Jarvis Landry running underneath pretty much wide open and Baker just missed him. And I don't know about you so far this season, but Baker has not impressed me, especially with all the hype uh, coming into the season that he had, you know, him being maybe like the fourth or fifth quarterback taken in fantasy leagues. He really hasn't produced um, and proven that he's ready to take the next step. Are, are we sure that he's good or, you know, he's vastly overrated? No, I, I think Baker's good. I mean, um yeah it's tough for uh like honestly for a QB to overcome two things their offensive line and their coaching and for me it's more a symptom of those two things for the Browns um like the Cleveland offensive line I can't name many worse ones um I mean maybe like the Bengals the Jets offensive line isn't great either but you know that is a bottom five offensive line in the league. And in terms of the coaching, I mean, that might be bottom two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like, I don't know if you remember Joe Thomas, who's the offense left tackle for uh, the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. for a long time. Maybe you want to give him a, give him a call, come out of oh, retirement yeah. and protect uh, Baker's blindside. But, I mean, Baker's thrown three touchdowns and uh, five interceptions through the first three games of the season. And it's kind of funny that um, he was making those comments about Daniel Jones and now Daniel Jones, like all the talk, uh, talk media um, today was talking about is, is Daniel Jones just better than Baker Mayfield? I mean, obviously it's an overreaction after game, uh, game week one uh, Mm. or week one for Daniel Jones, but it's just kind of funny how the way the world works and how things work out uh, in terms of karma, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely remember some of the comments that Baker said where he said, you know, the Giants are, I can't believe they took Daniel Jones. Like, what were they thinking? Um, and yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is some sweet, sweet revenge for Daniel Jones a little bit where, you know, he definitely, uh, I mean, I, I would still rather have Baker than Daniel Jones. It's a sample size of one. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that could be the worst secondary in, in the league um, just in terms of talent. So I, I'm not ready to gun, 
quite jump on that hype train for Daniel Jones yet. Um, people are saying like, oh, like he he's a second coming of Eli Manning. It's like, do, do you really want that? Um, <laughs> so so for me, I'm not I'm not jumping on that train just yet. I I still think that I, I I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not buying it. Right? They just lost Saquon. He doesn't have any weapons. The offensive line isn't great. Like I don't think that this Giants team is going to go that far. Um, and yeah, I think that Daniel Jones is still going to see his growing pains. Sounds good. So Mike, before we end up uh, previewing the Week Four games, the one question that I wanted to ask you. Also, I I did want to give my mention. Uh, my upset pick, pick of the week last week, the Raiders at the Vikings. That did not go too well. So, um, yep. Sorry, neither did mine. So, uh, yeah, swing and a miss. So, we'll try again this week. But before we move on to the week four games, um, at week at the end of week three, maybe we could do this at the end of every uh, at the at end of every week. Um, <laughs> give us your top five teams so far. Um, in the league right now. Yeah, so, I mean, top five teams that I have for the Aves in the league or, like, per, per conference? Uh, in the league. Mm, so, I I think that it's the Patriots. Then I have the Chiefs. Um, third, is it, it, it's close, but I have the Rams for me right now. Um, fourth, it, it comes down to a few different teams, but I'm going to say the Packers. Um, five would go to that. That's when it gets tough, right? I might say Dallas at this point, um, but they haven't really proved it to me. And the sixth team, you know, I people are high on the Ravens. People are high on, you know, <clears throat> you know, I guess you could say Lions, but Saints. I, I might say it could be the Vikings or. You know, if we had Breeze, it would be the Saints for me, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I would maybe just flip um, the Cowboys and the Packers, but um, just because, the, I don't know, just from what the, the way the Packers have looked so far, they haven't looked that great. I mean, I mean they've played better competition for sure against for the sure. Bears and the Vikings, but yeah. it's not – they haven't been – necessarily impressive in those wins like they struggled a lot against the bears and that vikings game in week two last week wasn't particularly pretty at all um this thursday night game and maybe this is a good transition uh to talk about week four um and talk about the packers and the eagles and us breaking down the week four games uh so mike give us during week four, what is um, during this Eagles-Packers game? Um, why don't you give me a player that uh, to look out for and maybe a prediction? All right. So, for me, I, I think that the Philadelphia-Green Bay game is going to be really exciting. Um, for me, it, it might be you – know, I'm looking down the list of games here. I Probably mean, the game of the week, isn't it? Yeah, I think it might be the game of the week. Dallas, New Orleans, though. I mean, Dallas, New Orleans, Minnesota, Chicago. I think those might be two games that I might be a little bit higher on, to be honest. Um, but this is definitely an amazing game. Um, for me, I 
it, it, it's tough to pin it down on one player, but the player that I'd want to watch right now, it's got to be Rodgers. Like, he, he keeps saying every week that he, you know, the Packers offense seems to step it up. You know, I'm I'm reading some facts. It's like they're the 28th offense in terms of total offense, and they're still 3-0. So my thinking is that it, it's got to turn sometime. Like, I just don't think that Rodgers with his competitive spirit and, like, his talent, and honestly, like, they have – pieces, Devontae Adams. Um, I don't think Marquise Aldez is, is honestly too bad either. Um, Aaron Jones, like he's finally starting to come into his own. And I think that Matt LaFleur is finally doing some things um, where they're actually starting to do the right sort of timeshare for the run game. Um, so for me, you know, I, I think that the Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers sort of turns around that offense a little bit and, uh, we see some really exciting stuff there, and I really hope that because, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is my fantasy QB, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So prayers up to, to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers so Michael's fantasy team can do well. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think the Packers win this. Um, I don't know what the line is, but I'm, I, I would guess, like, something like by, like, five or five or six. Yeah, I I think the um I think the Packers will also take this as well. Um what's really been impressive um with the absence of maybe the Packers offense has been Packers defense really carrying this team which hadn't been the case over the past couple of years and they've definitely retooled with a lot of um off-season acquisitions and it's really helped their team become a lot more balanced where they don't have to rely so much on Aaron uh, production from Aaron Rodgers. And then on the flip side for the Eagles, um, I was pretty harsh on Carson Wentz, um, I guess in the past couple of weeks and whether or not he can regain his footing. Cause I, I think this is a hugely important game for the it's Eagles. It's a must win. Well, That's I don't know what if it's a must win, but it's a, it's, they're one. If they lose this game, they're one and three, and it's not looking particularly good for them, especially in a deep NFC. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if they lose this game, they they have the Vikings, Cowboys. I mean, even the Bills um, away, Bears, Patriots, Seahawks. Um, I, it's a tough. I mean, they have a few games that they could definitely win, but. Making the playoffs is going to be tough, and they're going to need to win some of these games. I, I, I don't know. Like that's that's what kind of makes me a little hesitant to bet Green Bay. Like they could be kind of not on edge. Whereas I think the Eagles, like they have the veteran experience. Like they know how important these kind of gaming games on a Thursday night might be. That's but it seems like we both are going with the home team in the Packers. Mm-hmm. So. Um, We'll see what ends up happening tomorrow, Thursday night. Um, so, Mike, we got Redskins Giants. Um, is this the start of possibly Dwayne Haskins' era in for the Redskins? Yeah. So, so for me, um, I mean, the Redskins 0-3 haven't looked particularly great, but Case Keenum like seven touchdowns, three interceptions, seventy percent completion. Um, percentage nearly he hasn't looked bad at all they played some tough teams eagles cowboys bears right i think 
I think those are like all three potential like playoff teams. Um, and they were one of my upsets for last week. So I, I'm not super down on the Redskins. Um, I think that they, for, for me, like they have a, I honestly think um, even though they're at the Giants, there's a decent chance um, if Daniel Jones isn't able to get it going early on that the Redskins could steal this one. Um, so that that's just my intuition for this game, especially with Saquon out. Um, <clears throat> I think I think hopefully the Redskins do some you know things where they take away uh, Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram. Like I, I don't see the Giants having many weapons here. Um, the player I, 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 I would kind of want to watch, I mean, it, it's got to be Daniel Jones. Like, how does he kind of have this bounce-back game? Does he keep riding the momentum? Or is, is he able to, or does he just kind of falter here? And uh, my money is, I mean, I'm no Giants fan, but I also don't, I I don't see it where, like, Daniel Jones, like, lights up the league like a Mahomes. Or, you know, some other rookie sensations. Like every rookie goes through their growing pains. I'm not sure he's going to go three touchdowns or interceptions um, for this one as well. Yeah, I think for me it seems like the Redskins had a really tough schedule to start the year. And being, you know, being going to college in D.C., I know a lot of um, Washington Redskins fans, and they're just so down on this team already. Um, it's kind of funny how down on this team they are. Um, and they are 0-3, but I think it's a little bit – I think it's a little bit – it looks a little, lot worse than it actually is. And not yeah. to say they're not a, a good team, but – Terry McLaughlin was yeah, good. Uh, yeah, Terry McLaurin, and I believe – Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah Michael's – pronunciation's been pretty bad this spot. McLaurin I Jacobs. Know. Um so I, I did have a few uh shots of sake before this. <laughs> Ooh, drunk podcast. So I I believe this is like going to be a really, really um like interesting game just to kind of see whether or not maybe Haskins get some time. Uh, and then see the progression of Daniel Jones. But I actually have the Redskins in this game as well, even though it's at home for the Giants. Um, I just think, like you were saying, the the Redskins have had a tough schedule, and I think they'll be able to pull this one out on the road. Agreed. Agreed. So, Mike, we got Chiefs-Lions. You mentioned this earlier on in the podcast uh, with Detroit this kind of being their litmus test of being like, how good are they actually? This one's at home for the Lions. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be um, a little bit closer than people think. Um, when just kind of glancing at the teams, people will probably just be like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to take it. And that's definitely foreseeable. But with the way the lines have been playing i've been fairly impressed um with the way that they've been able to battle and compete especially against and it's not like they've played an a super easy schedule they beat the eagles they beat the chargers who i think a lot of people going into this year thought were two playoff teams um so what what are your thoughts on this game 
Yeah, I, I'm a bigger Chiefs fan here than maybe you here. Um, I'm looking at the line six and a half for the Chiefs. Um, I'm probably taking the Chiefs as well if, if, with that six and a half line. It's just I think people are going to think that it's going to be like a two-touchdown type of affair, but I don't think. I agree with that. I, I, yeah. I think it's more like going to be like a 10-point game. Um, but I think I think Kansas City wins this relatively comfortably. I mean, who – I I I can't see the short defense stopping this Kansas City offense, um, and I I really, you know, the Lions did get some great special teams help against the Eagles with the uh, returning touchdown. I I don't think that they could keep up. Like no, te- not many teams can keep up. Um, but I think that you know the Chiefs lay their usual like 35 and the Lions just you know maybe come in with like 24 or something the real question is whether or not Matt Patricia is an act actually a good NFL head coach being undefeated through three games of this NFL season and I mean it's impressive yeah we were ripping him last year so um it it'll be really I'm pleasantly surprised that they're undefeated thus far in the year. Um, but I think they end up getting their first loss uh, this coming weekend. So, Mike, moving on, Titans-Falcons. Um, for me, this game is just uh, for the Titans, like, when does Ryan Tannehill come in <laughs> to play uh, and replace Marcus Mariota? Because Brutal. they talked about all year, or basically all preseason, there were like rumors and reports coming out that Mariota was going to have a supposedly short leash. And I wonder if that leash has shrunk since uh, his performance this past uh, last Thursday uh, during the Thursday night game um, did not look great at all. And Tannehill is a proven NFL veteran type of quarterback. I uh, wonder if Vrabel ends up giving him a shot at playing and um, also on the flip side for the Falcons, like I, I don't know what this team is. I don't have like a really great feel on this team. They beat the Eagles. Um, they're, but they're sitting at um, one and two and I just don't have a great feel. They ended up losing to the Colts last week and then losing to the Vikings in week one. Um, it feels like Falcons at home uh, is the pick, but I just don't really know what this team or how this team is going to come out and play. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not high on the Falcons, but I would say that they, they win this game against the Titans. Nothing about the Titans has, has been particularly impressive, especially Marcus Mariota. Um, for me, you know. I mean, Matt Ryan has not looked particularly impressive. Like, this is a former MVP. Um, yeah, I mean, he just hasn't looked impressive. This run game has been, like, pretty horrible. I mean, Devontae Freeman finally got a little bit going. Um, but he, you know, he has not looked good. Julio has been, like, this kind of glorious uh, 
glorious savior for them on a few big plays. Um, but for me, I, I, I do like the Falcons here. I'm not a huge fan of them, but I'm even less of a fan of Tennessee. Um, I, I think it might be a little early to say Tannehill might come in. I, if I were the Titans, I would have a shorter leash and potentially play them. But I think that they wait till like one and three, one and four um, until they start looking his direction. Okay. So my Browns, Ravens, who you got here? Browns. I, I, I just like I said earlier on uh, when we talked about them, Freddie Kitchens, questionable play calling. No, it, yeah, no. It seems like he'll change that this coming week. Uh, Baker, he's, I, I think he struggled this the the past three weeks of the of the season. Uh, hasn't looked great. The only time he's looked good is against guess what? A terrible Jets. So mm-hmm. it's not like he's performed up to expectations this year. And I'm curious, like OBJ. Jarvis Landry, I wonder if they're going to be able to try to get the ball into their hands a little bit more. Um, and you you mentioned uh, during our analysis of week three games that the Browns offensive line is having trouble keeping um, edge rushers off of uh, Mayfield. There's a lot of Mayfield kind of eluding the pot or escaping the pocket um, during the game yesterday and trying to kind of have this like fall away throwing uh uh fall away throws that he ended up having a lot of during that game because he was trying to elude pressure and it just I, I really think it's affecting the timing of the offense and the ability for them to get the ball into their playmakers hands and Landry, Landry and uh OBJ's hands so I'm curious to see how this offense looks after um after a tough week of play calling and things like that. And then for the Ravens, can Lamar Jackson keep it going? Um, I, I really think, I, I think this is going to be a close game because it's a divisional game and divisional games in the NFC North are all, or AFC North are always fairly close. And even if t- the teams are not having good years um, and, they'll still have good games against good teams. Um, but I think the uh, Ravens pull this one out. Yeah, I mean, I I just think that in some sports, coaching matters a lot more. And football is one of those sports. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't see how the Browns are able to beat the Ravens um, at, at, at home, right? Like, I just don't see how Freddie Kitchens like automatically like somehow becomes like a good coach here. So I'm I'm rolling with the Ravens all day here. Um, I I I do believe in Baker, but I also don't believe in his coach or his offensive line. So yeah, give me give me Baltimore for this. Um, I'll even take the minus seven here. Yeah, I probably take the minus seven as well uh, for the Ravens. So Mike, going on Raiders Colts. This game, I'm going Colts all the way. They're at home. Raiders, they burned me last week, so I'm done with them. Done with ever picking them again. Um, So going Colts here, Jacoby Brissett actually looks pretty decent uh, for them at quarterback. Marlon Mack has been having a really good um, good time just running the ball. 
a little bit worried about T.Y. Hill, and he came out with a quad injury last game. Um, if, I wonder if he's able to recover. But it just seems like this Colts team is a super well-rounded team. Um, Bill Simmons, who I listened to a decent amount, has kind of called them called them his Ewing Theory team. Um, so that's a fairly interesting marker, especially for a New England Patriots fan. To, to be on the Indianapolis Colts bandwagon is pretty funny. Um, but it seems like um, I just had the Colts here because the Raiders, they can, I don't know, they're just, not that they're terrible, but I, I don't trust them on the road at all. All right, so uh, I kind of like it that we're finally going to have some differences. Give me the Raiders here. Give me the Raiders. Wow. Okay, you can finally you can have uh, you can have them after me having them last week. Well, well, I like the six and a half line here. I don't. I wouldn't take them to win outright, but I think this is a close game, um, like a lot of these Colts games have been. Um, I mean, yeah, like the Colts won, lost by six. Chargers one by two to the Titans and only one by three on the Falcons. Um, you know, they're dealing with some injuries. I think that this Raiders team is more talented than people think. I, I don't think that John Gruden is like the worst coach, to be very honest. Um, I mean, they're playing the Vikings and the Chiefs. Vikings away, right? And we know how good that defense plays. Um, I, I, I'll take the Raiders as somewhat of a controversial pick here. But, I mean, if I look at Indianapolis, like, what have we learned from them that makes them incredible, like a six and a half point favorite? Um, honestly, I, 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 I'm not impressed with the Falcons. I'm not impressed with the Titans. Um, give me the, give me some Raiders here. Interesting. Okay, you can have them, and then once you get burned by them this week, then you can kind of come to your senses. Uh, <laughs> so, like, moving on, Patriots, Bills. 3-0 and teams, both of them. The Bills surprisingly 3-0, and or maybe not so surprisingly with the schedule that they've had. Josh Allen looks like maybe the best quarterback in that draft a couple years back, which is, I would say, surprising out of Rosen, him, Darnold, and Mayfield. Still very early on to tell, but he looks like the most consistent quarterback um, coming out of that draft, which I do not think a lot of people would have ever imagined saying uh, this early on um, into their NFL careers. But Bills are at home against the Patriots. Mike, thoughts on this game? The Patriots just keep it rolling because that's kind of how I feel. I don't – I think I think the Bills are a bit of fool's gold and uh, I don't really see the Patriots slowing down here. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, Tom Brady, seven touchdowns, 900 – Yards already, um, uh, kind of a sneaky MVP. I mean, people counting him out. If the Patriots literally go 15 and one, he might have a case here. Right? I, I mean, I think Mahomes is like the clear. He's a favorite, of course, but um, you know, potentially we we shall see. Um, but for me, for this game in particular, I I will go with. Um, the Patriots, of course, um, minus seven line. I, I might even take the minus seven here. Like, 
this 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 Patriots team is extremely impressive. I know Edelman's dealing with some stuff, um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But the, I, I'm, I, you know, you you have to go with the Patriots against the friggin' Bills here. So, um, yeah, I'm going with Brady. Yeah, I. I, I don't think you could really go wrong with that. So I'm going probably with the Patriots as well. Uh, Rex Burkhead. Who would have thought? Out of, all the, out of all those running backs, out of Sony Michelle, him, James White, Rex Burkhead is the one that's producing uh, the probably the most in that offense. So, Mike, moving on. Panthers-Texans. I find this game really intriguing. Mm. Um Maybe yeah. maybe one one of those games right below the top tier games of the the week. Um, Kyle Allen looks like he's going to get the start again with Cam. I would, I, of I, course. Right, and I think Cam uh, being hurt is kind of a, like I think they won't rush him back just because they know what they have <laughs> in Kyle Allen now, um, and they'll just be like, Cam, take your time, however long you need. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, yeah, Kyle Allen looked really good last week against the Cardinals, ended up throwing for four touchdowns. Wonder if he can keep it going against a better Texans team uh, than that Arizona Cardinals team. And it's an, it's a, um, away, right, at, at Houston. So I think that maybe changes the dynamics of things. And the Panthers are one and two now. So they really need um, wins to pile up. Houston, the way I see it, Deshaun Watson looks great. Hopkins looks really solid as well. Um, one of the – I'm curious to see if they're able to establish more consistent running game and um, and whether or not they're able to protect Watson um, because they've had their struggles on that offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is a really, really interesting game. I, I do like the Texans, um, but, you know, the Panthers looked really impressive, like totally changed with Kyle Allen. So, I mean, Cam Newton had zero touchdowns, um, whereas Kyle Allen with four, right? Um, he he looked extremely impressive. I, I don't know what you thought about him, but – um, watching him, like, he made every type of throw. He made the short throws. He made the long throws, like, out of his hands, like, quickly. Like, he his decision-making, where the ball was in terms of, like, precision accuracy, like, incredibly impressive. Um, I mean, they were playing the Cardinals, of course, not the most impressive defensive team, but I really, really was impressed with Kyle Allen, and they looked like a really different team with him. So, um, you know, I do like the Texans, but I might roll with the Panthers here for this game. Oh, what's the line on this game? It's um, plus, so, uh, plus four. Okay. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like the Texans in this game. Um, yeah, I, I just think, I mean, it's so hard for young quarterbacks like that to be consistent week after week and he's only put one start together. Um, I, I think it brings about a bigger question in terms of uh, evaluating quarterbacks coming out of the draft and coming out of college. Like, do we know anything about how to evaluate 
what makes a good quarterback and what makes a not good quarterback, just because Kyle Allen, uh, I just pulled up his uh, bio, his his Wikipedia, uh, undrafted free agent signed out of sound last year. It, and I'm curious to see like uh, whether or not the idea of molding a player into what the coach wants him to be and whether or not, um, I guess this idea of player development is really um, more valued in the NFL in comparison to um, having the best talent. Obviously talent is extremely important, but being able to cultivate and develop this talent, regardless of where it comes from and who it is, is I think an extremely impressive skill that's kind of, helped NFL quarter NFL teams like the Patriots sustain their success over the long run. Yeah, it, it's 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 the toughest. I think it's one of the toughest positions um, in all sports to like gauge correctly. Yeah, it, yeah. it really it really is a extremely Yeah, I, it, it, it's it, it's incredibly hard. Like I mean for me Kyle Allen, I'm just going off what I saw like First option, second option, quick decision making, um, accurate, accurate passing, short, long, dynamic. Like he, he really passed a lot of tests for me. Um, so yeah, I, I, he, he just looked really impressive for me. So um, for that reason, I, I am gonna go with Carolina here. Um, I agree. Like I, some of the downsides are there. Um, you know, I, I pointed them out for Daniel. Um, Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones. And um you know, I'm not really calling them out for for a boy Kyle Allen, but they are definitely risks. So we'll have to see how those play out. Sounds good. Chargers Dolphins. Do we really need to talk about the Dolphins anymore? Just take the Chargers no. and go, right? Yep. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. All right. It's I there's not much to talk about with this game other than um, if the Chargers lose this game, they're really screwed. Um, but, um, yeah, there's really not much to talk about because the Dolphins are tanking and it's really not – they do not look good um, at all. I mean, they're, they're 20-point underdogs last week. I don't know what the spread is right right now um, or whether you could find that info, but they're just they, tanking and they're not trying at all. They do play the Redskins, Bills, Steelers, Jets, um, you know, Colts, Bills, so. and then the Jets again, the Giants, and the Bengals. Like, I think they win a game. Yeah, they should win. Maybe a game. two. Yeah, they should win. Right. A game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be surprised, but not this week against the Chargers. Chargers are no. actually a competent team. So, all right. Yep. So Buccaneers, Rams, Mike. Thoughts on this game? I think the Rams keep it going. Uh, Jared Goff's kind of struggled over the past Mm. couple of games uh, to start the year, ever since Mm. the Super Bowl um, last year. But he just hasn't looked good. Cooper Cup, on the other hand. Love uh, it. him up. Yep. Yeah, the return of Cooper Cup has been helpful for Goff in terms of finding a safety valve. Um, But, yeah, Cooper Cup looks really good. He's kind of been this uh, 
media darling um, uh, since the start of the preseason. Um, with him, all these reports coming out that he looks faster, quicker, stronger, better than ever, and he's really proven that uh, over this season. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, Cooper Cooper Cup's been a revelation. Um, my fantasy team is doing too hot, but uh, he's been great. Jared Goff, it, you know, he hasn't played poorly. Um, it's just been average, right? But when I watch the games and see how open his receivers are and how he misses them, like, I just don't know what's going on in his head and why he doesn't make those throws. So, like, you know, Robert Woods or Cooper Cup were, like, they're just so wide open, right? And then he goes to, like, the the tight end who's in, like – or he just, like, makes these throws that, you know, you, you don't really – that don't really make sense. So – um, some of the decision making, I'm not sure what's going on there, but yeah, I I, I like the Rams here as well um, against Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what what's not to like about the Rams at home? They're more talented. Um, some questionable coaching on the Bucks um, last week, but you know, Bruce Arians, I am a fan, so. At the same time, like I, I, I'm still going for the Rams, but um, yeah, it, it's just like talent, really good coaching. They're just a really, really solid team and like a top five team um, in the NFL. Totally. And uh, just a quick shout out to uh, random half Asian uh, player Taylor Rapp on the Rams, who plays safety for them, uh, drafted in the second round. Uh, be on the lookout for that, guys. Um, Asian Americans all all over the world. So um, taking over. Uh, Seahawks, Cardinals, Mike, um, Pete Carroll and his uh, his stitched up cut nose uh, visit uh, the Cardinals this weekend. Um, yeah, the Seahawks struggled against the Saints this past weekend uh, before they ended up mounting. Uh, just basically kind of like padding the stats slash scoring uh, some points uh, towards the end of the game, which was extremely helpful for me and my fantasy team as I had Russell Wilson as my quarterback. So I wasn't complaining about that necessarily, um, but they did not look good against a Saints team that I thought they should have beat at home, um, especially without Drew Brees. So I, I, I just thought they looked flat did not look great um maybe had a little trouble keeping pressure off of russell wilson um yeah it it was curious weren't able to convert a fourth down running the ball uh when that's their bread and butter so um yeah away at arizona um i think arizona actually kind of keeps this close maybe the seahawks squeak it out but i think arizona keeps it close actually Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting game um, against the uh, Saints. I, yeah, I, I mean, I was never super high on Seattle for the season. Um, for me, I, I, do, I do agree, though. I think that the game is a lot closer. Um, you know, overall, I do think that 
For the Seahawks, it was surprising to see kind of like the lack of, you know, sacks for this front seven. Um, I'm not really seeing as much pressure on the quarterback as I thought there might be. So, so for me, you know, I, I like Seattle to win it, but I do agree with you that line of plus five, um, I think it'll be a closer game than people think. Yeah. So, Mike, Vikings-Bears, I think this is probably the second best game of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I This is like an old-school NFC North matchup. I really – I mean, it's really hard to read because Mitchell Trubisky looked really good on Monday night. He ended up having three touchdowns, but that was against the Redskins. Uh, the Vikings are a totally different level of defense um, and have looked fairly impressive this this week or this past season um it's i I think out of for this game it's kind of like which one of the quarterbacks is going to step up between kirk cousins and mitchell trubisky and whoever's the better quarterbacks i I think they're going to be able to win the game it's uh trubisky like and, and we point this out every week but the bears traded up to get him to choose him over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, which looking back on it is just kind of like how bad of a move is that just looking mm-hmm. back on it, like they weren't even able to get the second best quarterback in that draft. Um, so tough, tough luck for them. And they had to give up draft capital to move up one spot. Um, so that, it just seems like a tough, tough draw for them. Um, their defense looks good, as good as always, um, but offensively, I wonder if they're going to be able to get it going. And, like, can they give David Montgomery the ball a little bit more, like the rookie running back? Just give it to him a little bit more. He's shown that he's been able to to produce with them. I don't understand why they don't give him the ball a tiny bit more. Yeah, I it it's interesting. Um yeah, for me for me this is a really exciting matchup of the week. The Vikings are I mean, I like the Vikings here. I'm not a huge fan of Chicago overall. I just Trubisky, I I haven't seen it. I don't believe in him whatsoever. I'm taking um, Vikings as well, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's just more talent. Um, and also, I just trust Kirk Cousins as much as it's hard to believe over Mitchell Trubisky. Like, we've seen it with Kirk Cousins that he could, you know, lead team like lead teams to victory. He could be a competent QB. Um, a lot of it's like, you know, coaching-wise, like, it just doesn't seem to be a good fit with Cousins. Um, but for the Bears, we've never seen it from Trubisky, and I'm not sure we ever will. Um, that that's just my my two cents there. Yeah, I just um, think he'll be an average quarterback. Yeah, I mean below average to be honest. Yeah. So so for me, I I like Minnesota here. Yep, I like Minnesota too. Um, I think they'll start to. I think I think they look fairly impressive, well-rounded type of team. Um, mm-hmm. and they'll pull out the win uh, on the road. Jaguars, Broncos. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't really have an opinion on this game other than Broncos are at home. They haven't looked good at all with Joe Flacco. 
at quarterback. Um, I think I'm taking the Jaguars just maybe because of their defense, their their defensive like schemes are fairly impressive. Um, Vic Fangio for the Broncos, like I guess you kind of understand why he hasn't gotten an NFL coach head coaching job um, since <laughs> until he was sixty something. Uh, maybe because he's like he's not cut out to be a head coach. Uh, started off zero and three. There's, I'm sure, a lot of frustration in that Broncos locker room. But I guess I'm taking the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew. I'm, I'm in on Minshew. Minch. I, I, yeah. Call me a believer too. I'm in for Minshew. Give me the Jaguars. I like them as a team. Uh, Jalen Ramsey just really stirring up a lot of. A lot of a lot of nonsense, um, which I actually do think is going to affect the team locker room. But at the same time, give me the Jaguars over the Broncos. I, I think that this Jacksonville team is quite talented. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, just give me some more Minshew. We'll have to see. I mean, nothing with Gardner has been particularly impressive. And I'm not sure, like, he's even going to be a starting quarterback in this league. But at the same time, um, you know, the Jaguars defense should be quite good. We'll have to uh we'll have to see how how this all plays out. Yeah, I totally agree. So Mike, we got the Monday night game and then we have the Sunday night game. Let's talk about the Monday night game first because the Bengals Steelers, um it's not a great matchup for Monday night. Uh I don't know. Have the Monday night games just been like very meh to you lately? Uh, first week, first week Texans Saints probably the best game of the week. But yeah. but Browns Jets. Uh, nope. Bears Redskins. Eh. Nope. Bengals Steelers. I don't know about that. Browns Forty Niners. Uh, like just like not really appealing games on Monday night at all. So, um, yeah, Bengals Steelers, uh, yeah, Bengals, like, I don't know what you could really say about them. Steelers, Mason Rudolph, he looked like a young quarterback in that game. Um, didn't look terrible, but also looked really shaky, like he looked really shaky to start off and then kind of calmed his nerves uh, coming out in uh, the second half and they had a chance uh, to pull that game um, out, but they weren't able to do it. Um, Steelers are at home. I don't know. I like the Steelers over the Bengals here. Yeah. uh, At home. I I mean, I would agree with that. I'm I'm off the Pittsburgh ship, but not, not all the way just yet. If you can't beat the Bengals at home, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be against the Steelers for every single game. They really, uh, they really hurt me in my fantasy league. Um, a little bit of quite, sour grapes for Michael. Yeah, a tiny yeah. bit of sour grapes. <laughs> I, I was kind of high on them, so um, I like the Steelers as well. I, I, I still, I, I I'm kind of curious to see how James Conner plays. Um, he's looked really bad. But that's Joe Mixon. Yeah. 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 So they, you know, both of these running backs have not looked good, um, even with a lot of preseason hype surrounding both of them. So I'm curious to see what kind of run game each of them can start to develop. 
at the same time, give me the Steelers here. They're at home. Um, it seems like they're making some deals to try and improve their team. Um, Think of Fitzpatrick. Like they, yep. Yeah, exactly. Got his first pick um, during during the game last week. Uh, so he's already provided an impact. But I don't know. I just thought, what was your I, thought on that? Because it's Patrick getting traded on. Like, I don't know. They're 0-3 now. Fitzpatrick's on the team. They traded away their first-round pick. Like, it, it's not great. I, I don't know. And they did this after Big Ben got hurt. So they must be they must have been somewhat confident in Rudolph. I and the Dolphins could have like a couple two really good picks, uh, their own pick and then the Steelers pick if the Steelers continue to struggle. Yeah, I mean I think I saw I think they saw the schedule forty niners, Bengals, um, you know, flip them game against the against the Ravens at home. Um I, I think they thought that they could make you know, 0-2 is now a death sentence, especially for a team that, you know, has good coaching and is as talented um, as the Steelers. But, you know, I think that this is a kind of a must-win game for, for the Pittsburgh if they think that they could do anything with this season. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Like, 0-4 is pretty much you're, you're out by then. Yeah, it's pretty much unrecoverable. Yeah, so uh, I, give me the Pittsburgh here, and um, I, I like them even with the you know minus with the four points. Yeah, it's it's I think pretty much unrecoverable. I think only it says out of 183 teams to start on four prior to t- 2012, only the 92 Chargers made the postseason. Um, so yeah, not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's extremely tough to like make um make it own for um i don't know it's so they, they pretty much need to win this game um yeah to have any sort of shot of thinking they'll be able to recover from the season so i'm like cowboys versus the saints sunday night game uh probably the third best game of the week um how you feeling about this game? I Cowboys, I think, will finally get to see what kind of team they are, especially against um, some of the easy, easy um, matchups they had. Devin Smith, former Jets second rounder, had a had a showing uh, in Week Two, I believe, um, caught a touchdown. So um, that kind of stings and hurts as a Jets fan to see. Jets players that were drafted have success on other teams. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on this game? Who do you think wins it? I think Teddy Bridgewater, uh, he hasn't looked particularly good. Taysom Hill, like, they're still kind of doing the Taysom Hill stuff where he plays, like, in all these different positions. Um, yeah, I think they'll be able to do decently well um, during this game. And I actually and taking the Saints at home against the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I thought we might differ here, but I, I kind of like the Saints here too. Um, I I just don't think the Cowboys have played anyone good. But I did like what the Cowboys, like, they they rested last week. That was yeah. a bye week against the Dolphins, right? Yep. They didn't really play or go all out. Yep, um, Pony Pollard got some, got some run uh, in yep. that game as well. So 
uh, well, save Zeke's legs a little bit. So we'll see how this game plays out. I do can feel I, like can I, New Orleans. Can I take my pick back now that <laughs> you pick New Orleans? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it, I don't know. I I think it's uh, yeah. I I don't feel great now putting my money on <laughs> putting my money on Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Teddy Two Gloves. So uh, former Jet. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that now, but. Um, yeah, I guess I'm rolling with rolling with Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints uh, this weekend. Yeah, I you know when both of us have the same upset pick, I think uh, that's when we start to worry a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it can't get much worse from the Raiders last week. Um, mm. Oh wait, Michael chose the Raiders this weekend, so we'll see if it we'll see, see if it gets, we'll any, see. We'll see if it gets we'll any better. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just giving you a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a jab, Mike. Um, so let's talk about fantasy to wrap up, like always. So, Mike, fantasy implications for this week um, from week three. How did your team do? Did not seem happy from some of the texts that I was receiving this past weekend. Um, didn't seem like it turned out well. No, you know what? Like, I, I kind of am am realizing I don't know what I was thinking during my draft, but I, I wasn't able to put much time in uh fantasy um as I would have liked this year. I, I'm not I'm not you know, I lost both my games. Um, uh oh. Is this danger zone for Michael now? It's definitely danger zone. I mean one and two and oh and three <laughs> um I'm usually the regular season usually do really well in the regular season where I'm like first or second in the playoffs and then lose like in the semifinals. But this year it's going to have to be a big um, kind of turnaround here. Interestingly enough, I do have, um, you know, top four, top five highest points scored. So in like 12 and, you know, 16 person league, like 15 person league. So my team is putting up points. I have the highest points against, in uh, one of my leagues, or second highest, and it's, you know, I'm putting up 130, the other team puts up 160 because they have Mark Ingram. Um, you know, I'm making all the right bench calls, like, you know, I decided to play the, um, what's his name, Demarcus Robinson, I believe, on the uh, on the Chiefs, and then, you know, my opponent just plays Ingram, and, you know, he goes off for 35, or Mike Evans or something, like, it's it's just all of that, is happening to me. So um, I'll chalk it up to luck. I don't know if I'll get the variance to sort of swing back into my favor in time, but um, yeah, it's it's not looking too good for my fantasy team overall, even though, you know, I'm putting up points and, um, you know, some tough calls with the bench, but I, I am making the right call. So we'll have to see how this plays out and, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so for me, Mike, um, won both leagues, um, helping my friend out in one of the leagues, but I feel like it's my own now. He's like an adopted child, just had same amount of love given to my as my own fantasy team. So um, basically won both leagues. Uh, that one league that I'm helping my friend in, shout out to AK, uh, we're 3-0. and pretty much steamrolled through every single team so far. Christian McCaffrey has really done uh, a great job for us um, in that league. 
Keenan Allen had a really big day as well. Uh, so that was a huge positive for us. Um, and then in my Yahoo 10 team league standard edition, um, I just feel like my team is fairly stacked in comparison to the other teams. Uh, might need a tight end. Uh, Jared Cook is not looking like he's providing mm-hmm. dividends this year, especially with Drew Brees going out. Uh, but I mean, look at, listen to the wide receivers that I have on my team. This is, and mind you, like all the 12 person people or person leagues that um, people are in and people listening to this podcast don't like complain that I'm stacked because I have a 10 team league. I think I legitimately have some good wide receivers for a 10 person league. So I have Julio Jones, Sammy Watkins, Juju, uh, Mike Williams on the chargers, Allen Robinson, Christian Kirk as as my top six wide receivers, pretty decent. And then my uh, my running backs: Marlon Mack, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Freeman's my third running back who has, hasn't who's been on the bench for me. And then Lashawn McCoy, who was dropped uh, last week, so I picked him up on the waiver wire. So can't complain about that at all. But looking for tight ends to possibly nab and grab. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening there. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a solid team. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm in third in this league. Um, yeah, I I guess one of the questions that maybe before we end up uh, leaving, uh, letting before I let you leave the podcast, Mike, is there any type of waiver wires that maybe you'd be on the lookout for? Um, someone that maybe you have your eye on, um, and then just maybe some of the what what's like one of the things that you've kind of noticed um, in this fantasy um, season uh, thus far three weeks into the year. Yeah, I mean, I like if Dorsey's out there for you. Um, he is like a good short-term fix, um, especially with Julian Edelman like potentially injured. Um, Tom Brady goes to him quite early and often. So with, you know, Antonio Brown out and, um, you know, Edelman kind of out and playing similar role, like, you know, <clears throat> kind of, you know, taking some targets away from Dorsett. Uh, I like some Dorsett here. Um, but I also like the Chiefs wide receivers, like Demarcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman, like both of them, super, super explosive. You watch them, they're, they're so fast. They're so athletic. They could make, amazing catches um and until Tyree Kill is out I like those three wide receivers um to pick up in the waiver wire there's not many pickings in the running back area um, Adrian Peterson maybe uh, Wayne he, Gallman <laughs> yeah you gotta take you gotta take Wayne Gallman just for the volume there um so that's that's my running back pick but in terms of different things that I'm picking up on um <clears throat> yeah it's you're seeing like a bunch of wide receivers who kind of go off and, you know, I, I, I had a Mark Ingram that went against me. I had a, uh, I mean, that's not a wide receiver, of course, but like, you know, Mike Evans of the world. Um, Keenan Allen. like I Keenan Allen. Yeah. It's, it's rough when you go against them. So, I mean, one similarity with both those players is they, uh, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they're just like the clear WR1 um, on their teams. They just, they're not like a, 
you know, like a LA Rams kind of situation. They are just like the clear cut best wide receiver on their team. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what I want to go for now. And, um, there's going to be a lot of variance with that. Obviously Keenan Allen and, um, Mike Evans weren't doing too hot before this, but, you know, they literally won their team's games last week. Yeah, and I think one of the I think one of the things to kind of focus on early on and this is kind of my my strategy is like obviously choose your waiver wires um carefully, but the I think a lot of times people tend to get a little bit too anxious in terms of moving on from players that haven't produced. So Mike Evans before this weekend hadn't produced a lick at all. And um, there were people getting anxious about possibly wanting to trade him or wanting to let him go, or not let him go, but just like trade him just because he hadn't produced. But um, I, I think I was reading a Matthew Berry um article and he was kind of outlining uh the raised expectations for certain players so like George Kittle for example who a lot of people drafted probably third fourth round or so in their drafts um hasn't performed up to his expectations uh coming into this year but if you looked at his stats from last year he's actually he actually scored more points I believe this year than he started out with last year. So there's just a lot of examples of that where I would say there's players that had high expectations coming into the season, um, not fulfilling those expectations, but then when in comparison to their performance last year, they are actually outperforming what they did last year up uh, until this year. So there, I, I would practice and preach patience in regards to uh into to this fantasy game because i i just think it's a little too early on to be anxious to be making all these type of uh short-term type of moves um and i think it's definitely short-sighted especially with the playoffs you know close to 11 weeks away 10 11 weeks away so preach patience there um and then uh, the last trend that I noticed before I let you go, Mike, is the lack of tight end depth, I would say, is kind of the one thing. And and you deal with that every single year. It's like kind of shooting fish in a barrel. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get in terms of the tight ends, it's, except if you draft one of the top ones, like Ertz or Travis Kelsey. Um, George Kittle's had his struggles this year. But, like, you know, Darren Waller, like, I don't think people expected him to do well, or and he's kind of come out of nowhere, uh, produced, got a bunch of targets last week. I believe it was like 11 or 12 targets last week. Um, I think it was 15 or 13. Oh, 15, and then he got like 11 catches, I believe. Um, but he, he got a ton of targets. Like, I don't think over the past two weeks, or the past two weeks of the season, Mark Andrews, um, I don't think many people thought he was going to do anything and he produced um, at an extremely high level. So there's these guys out there that um, early on in this season, like you could have had, like Mark Andrews was on 
everyone's waiver wire. And if you're smart enough to pick him up, he's probably like the fourth best tight end right now. So um, Greg Olson, he was on the waiver wire as well. And he's had two productive weeks, um, had caught two touchdowns. So that tight end position is the position that is really hard to fill, um, especially um, especially if you don't have one of those top guys. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, yeah. I think that there's a lot of uh, – if you get snag a top tight end, um, yeah, the difference between, like, a top tight end and even, like, a above average one is quite high right now. Yeah, totally agree. So if if there if you can get your pause on one of those guys, I would say do it. Um, especially if you if you have some depth at wide receiver and running back, you ha you're able to kind of make some moves and be able to acquire one of those tight ends. So Mike, thanks a lot for coming back onto the podcast. As always, um we'll uh I'll be catching you next week as we talk about week four and well, we're going to probably do a podcast live together out in SF as I'm going out there to visit Michael. Um, so we'll be in the studio together in Michael's apartment um, talking about football. Can't complain about that as well. So we'll get to watch the games together, kind of analyze and talk about them um, in person. And maybe we'll uh, put out a pod for you while I'm out in SF. Uh, talking about football. So can't complain about that. Uh, Mike, thanks again for coming on to the pod. And uh, be on the lookout for a couple more podcasts. Um, I'm going to have a Premier League podcast. Uh, uh, Liverpool ended up getting a big win over Chelsea. Man, U's kind of struggled. We'll talk about that. We'll probably catch up with Hedgeon and um, talk about those. And the NBA is starting up again uh the ES, espn has kind of released their uh, uh is starting to release their top 100 players um before the season is to come out um preseason starts can you believe it preseason starts next week i believe um october 5th or 4th october 4th or 5th on that friday so that's when preseason starts so I'll always have Andrew Ramondi back on the podcast. We're going to be kind of talking about some of the legal issues kind of um, addressed around all the NBA governance of tampering, um, kind of look at some of those um, issues surrounding that and NBA teams. Um, and we'll kind of break it down from there. And we'll we'll also do our preseason wins podcast in the upcoming week. So be on the lookout for that. And always thank you guys again for listening and tuning in to the podcast. Thanks, Mike. And we will see you next week. I got a girl with a mind on love. The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up And I'm addicted, I can't get enough